and evolution did hot clothes right. Welcome to episode 21 of the Mutant Musings Evolution Podcast for the beginning of November 2021. I'm Jonathan, and with me as always is my top cider, Patty. Remember to leave us a comment on this episode's webpage on geekade.com. Leave us ratings and reviews on iTunes or anywhere else you find our podcast. Follow us on Instagram at mutant underscore musings underscore podcast and follow us on Twitter at Mutant Musings. Leaving us a review is quick, so get off Facebook for a minute. Yeah, you've already seen your sister's kids. You know they're ugly. Why check the news when you already know it's bad? Be positive and give us a nice review instead. This just in. The world is awful and everyone is gonna die. You can get right back to Pornhub when you're done reviewing our podcast. And try to leave your love fluids out of the review. And speaking of love fluids... Let's not speak of love fluids. Patty, you brought them up. And now I'm putting them down. You don't want love fluids in this intro? I'm about to shove my foot up your outro. Here's your explicit content warning. That was good, right? Yeah. Yeah. That was very professional of us. Was it? Yeah. I recently got our tickets for Anime NYC, so that's exciting. It is exciting. Sensei said she might go. What? Yeah, I don't know why. I guess she likes anime, so it would be weird to see her there but that Why? might that don't, might be a thing that happens don't you like your sensei i do she's cute but uh you don't want to see cute people in real life <laughs> <laughs> my boss that i hate the one that's a cunt mm-hmm. she said that her daughter is into anime and asked like what my favorite anime was so i didn't want to say like like yari chin bitchin club or something which is basically just a yaoi hentai okay um so i was like and i was like i don't want to say something like super obscure that like so it's like, uh, I'll just go with My Hero Academia. So nice. that's what I told her. Well done. And I mean, I have two posters of it on my wall anyway yeah. at work. So it's, it's a good show. she's like, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna ask my daughter. And then she came back and asked me again. And I was like, just call it Macadamia. That's how you can remember it. Macadamia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then... You're a Macadamia nut is what we're saying, <laughs> right? Uh. And she like was talking to me about New York Comic Con. And then she, like, Ugh. you know, I was saying, you know, there's an anime one coming up. That I'm going to, too. And then now she's like, oh, maybe I'll take my daughter. And I'm like, bitch, you better not. So you don't want to see your boss that you hate at one of these conventions? I would not prefer it. Wouldn't that be wouldn't that be a little silly if you're, you know, all dressed up as somebody and suddenly surprise boss, surprise boss, surprise anime boss. (laughs) Uh... That sounds like a great reality TV show. That is awkward. Also, her daughter is like. 15 or 16 or something and she said like you talk like my daughter talks and i'm like that sounds insulting because i am like 29 she says fuck a lot um no i've had to tone it down so i don't actually even curse at work they're censoring you yes it's bullshit what yeah listen in new jersey we believe in freedom i don't know who is censoring you you should call the police they're right there um, in your building the uh how do I put it nicely? You don't, Patty. You have freedom here. You're not on work. Oh, well, I didn't want to just say Jesus cunts. Jesus cunts? Yeah. Cunts for Jesus. Oh, I didn't... Um, Christians, I believe they're called. <laughs> they're, uh, yes. They're very, um, Christians? you know, you can't say fuck, I guess. Christians don't have cunts, Patty. It's just like a Barbie doll going <laughs> on down there. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> All right, so that's what's going on in my life. <laughs> yeah, that's how you're doing? All right. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so we're going to talk about a couple of episodes today. This first one we're going to talk about is really, really good episode. It is a Spike episode. And finally, they, they did an episode uh, about Spike, and they got it like 100% right. I've been particularly critical of the treatment of Spike and Storm in this series because they are the only two black main characters um and they have both been written uh poorly to one degree or another spike you can see how they have tried to do good stories with him but there's always something that sort of falls a bit short and since he's only gotten a handful of episodes it's it's really unfortunate because there's a good shell of a character there i mean you know we've said this before and we were saying it as we watched this episode today he's like marrow man Sort of, well, you know, see, not quite. I was, I was complaining that it wasn't actually Marrow because right. I love Marrow. And yeah. he was like, well, they need another black character. And I was like, sure. but why is it got to be a man? And he's like, well, they already have a black woman. Exactly. And, and I'm like, yes, there cannot be two black women in the same space. Correct. And listen, it's I'm, uh, mutually exclusive. And l- Am I using what? that correctly? No. I told you <laughs> I don't know 
that was that was one of the negatives to dating me is that I don't understand oh what mutually exclusive means. <laughs> yes, yes, Patty. It's one of those things I just can't get over about it's a, you. It's a qualm. God. I know. Uh, no, and listen, I'm not saying that to defend their decision, and I'm not. Almost, I'm not trying to mansplain it. But when you look at the, it's literally the only reason. It's like okay. You know, we have this black woman here already. Let's also have this token black boy character. Funny how they had to make a black character because there wasn't one. Right? There was. Because <laughs> what are they going to do? Bishop? Use bishop? Like a 14 year old bishop? That'd be right? fucking weird. It would. It and would like, be he'd just weird. be walking around with a machine gun <laughs> and a fucking Christ. face tattoo. <laughs> and uh you know a teenage fucking peach fuzz instead of the beard on his face that'd be hilarious like yo i came here from the future uh-huh sure okay welcome come on in no no no. and th- that's the thing there weren't there weren't many black characters not that there's a ton of huh. them now weren't yeah not that there are a ton of them now but you know the there there were less to choose from then and so yeah they felt like oh we need more diversity here and this is what we have to do you know but at the same time for the two black characters Neither one of them, we've harped on this before, at least I have, neither one of them was treated particularly well. Again, Spike had a bunch of almost great moments, um, but it was usually soured by something, with him peeping on the girls with the fucking camera, him and Beast, and, you know, he didn't actually get through to Beast. They needed the white man's help, you know, to telepathically get through to Beast. So there's always something wrong, and Storm is a whole nother issue on her own. Um, But this... This was an amazing Spike episode. It was great. And it was amazing, too, that it was Spike, the black character that was the main character in this, that that was the focal point, was the central character in all of this. Of course, there's the side plot, which is Apocalypse, because we can't forget about that. We're coming towards the series finale, and it's obviously it's still far from resolved. So, so that's fine. But at the beginning of this episode, we're introduced to a little boy who's got sort of palish green skin, and he's got an A on his shirt. And I was thinking, Archie. Artie. Oh my God, my fucking brain today. <laughs> I swear to God. Okay, not I Al- was thinking Alvin and the Chipmunks, because he's also got that big A on his shirt. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah, but it's not Alvin and the Chipmunks. You know who's got a big A? Apocalypse. Apocalypse. You know who else has a big A? Kim Kardashian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's not Artie, but you're close. <laughs> Anyway, Artie's pal. It's Artie's pal. Who right. is green. Artie and friends. But he doesn't have an A. So yeah, so so this is, you know, um, this is a Spike episode, so we're going to see more of the Morlocks, which is... Morlock episode. Which is which is great, because you got to love the Morlocks. Man. Must the Morlocks love Morlocks. Must love Morlocks. It's MLM. Like multi-level marketing, or man love man. Or uh, Marxist, Leninist, Maoist. Yeah, those all those things describe me. <laughs> uh, so you've got uh, the Morlocks... Dumpster diving behind a diner, and they are accosted by some assholes. Because with all this, you know... Anti-mutant sentiment on the mainstream media. Yeah, because of the fucking the pyramids and the, the domes around the pyramids, people are scared of mutants, and so you've and got... And they won't stop reporting about this stupid fucking doom that's not doing anything. And uh, it's not hurting are, anyone. You no, know, people are scared. It's the same thing like the only reports that you hear on the news are like crimes that are committed by black people. Yeah. Oh, I, I totally agree. Yeah, so you get some bigots that that attack uh, Lucid, who is you know trying to get a food. Morlock. Yeah, who is trying to get food for for the rest from of the, the Morlocks. dumpster. From He's the not dumpster. bothering anybody. No, but they attack him, and suddenly Spike emerges. Spike shows up from the dumpsters, looking like Splinter, not Splinter. Shredder. Shredder. Yeah. Yeah. He looks like a fucking Stegosaurus now. He's got like the armor plates and spikes literally growing yeah, like all over his body. Gun. Yeah, and he's got uh they're hot. hot. Claws. They're hot too. He can just fucking make hot claws come out. And and listen, as stupid as hot claws for Hanukkah was, this preceded hot claws by many years, and this is literally hot claws done right. I love this. It doesn't have to make sense when we live in a world with secondary mutations. This is fine with me. That's true. I'm fine with this. I mean, Emma's secondary mutation didn't make sense other than aesthetically. Yeah, well, she's fancy and rich. matched her look. That's right. Exactly. Right. So, so good. You know, and so, uh, you know, it, it's it's great because Spike kicks, you know, the bigots' asses and they run away. And so they go back to the sewers and Callisto is sort of giving them a hard time, which is weird, you know, because Spike sort of has like the Callisto attitude in the show and she's a bit softer. 
And I, I, you know, obviously they're just doing that for a contrast. They need like yeah. the hot-headed, angry guy, but then they needed somebody to sort of contrast that who was like also a leader, but like you know, not quite as angry. Um, and so Callisto, I guess, was the natural choice in this show to do that. But but anyway, and she is like, <laughs> oh, you're you're make you're gonna make them angry, whatever. And yeah. he was like, we have a right to exist. So she, Callisto says to him, like, what chance have they got if you led them into battle? And Spike says, hiding in sewers, eating garbage, and still we're hunted? What chance have they got if I don't? And and it's sort of like, you know, what what are they supposed to do? You know, if you protest, you can't do it, like, violently. It has to, you know, and then they freak out about, you know, Copernic kneeling. So, yeah. like, what the fuck are you supposed to do? You're yeah. literally, like, backed into a corner where anything that you do is wrong. So you might as well just fuck them up. I agree. 100%. I, I agree. So, so it's really interesting to see to see that attitude on um on on Evan. And it was awesome. He was badass. So then Sam and Amara are walking down the street, coming home from school, talking about a report that they have to do. Sam drops his books and, you know, to try to catch them, he blasts off and he accidentally knocks into a building and takes out a few of the bricks. And Amara's like, oh, you're going to lose your allowance for at least a month. But then cue Duncan and some fucking bigots who drive up and, you know, grab Amara and push her out of the way. And Duncan is like, I saw that freak damaging public property and they're going to like beat him up. And Magma threatens to burn the car. She's holding the fire over her head, right over the convertible. And it's like, wouldn't it be a shame if I accidentally dropped this on your car? And I thought that was awesome. And then again, Spike, as this like vigilante protector of mutants shows up, shoots flaming spikes in the tires of the fucking convertible. And Duncan is trying to act like a tough guy. and like, you're not going to get away with this. And Spike literally hands him the phone, his cell phone, and is like, make the call. Mutants of Bayville are off limits to hate crimes. And he actually said that, off limits to hate crimes. And then on his way into the sewer, he pops up two more spikes that hit the car, and the car fucking explodes. And I'm like, this, well, this is awesome. Can we just have, like, more episodes about Spike beating up bigots and ruining their day? That would be amazing. There is literally nothing wrong with anything happening here. Just good for this boy. Hashtag Spike did nothing wrong. Yeah, but, you know, Xavier, as a white man, is perturbed perturbed so we've got to have a talk with him yes and instead of sending storm who is family Literally. and and rational and wants to see how her nephew is doing no and uh no we have to send in the crazy canadian guy <laughs> who um <laughs> doesn't really give a fuck about this child particularly <laughs> From any other child, uh, and who literally said, "I can, I would do the same thing if I was in his position. I might join him instead of stop him." Yeah, but Logan, you're perfect. Go. He is the most uh, qualified candidate. Yeah, really? No, he's the most popular, so that they have to send Wolverine to do everything. They have, you know, held him back a little bit in this show. I will give them that. No, that's true, but. But, but why did it have to be him? But yeah, it had to be him instead of Antio, which again would have been fucking perfect. So anyway, back in, in China, where this, you know, dome, which they Beast figured out is a sphere, by the way, it goes all the way underground. You know, you got the one in Mexico, they got one that popped up in China. China evacuated everyone in this area so they could drop Blow bombs it on it. And uh, the bombs didn't work. It just leveled the entire area. Uh, and then you see Nick Fury getting Trask out of prison. And wants him to start the Sentinel program again. Good Isn't that great? Good idea. Isn't that great? Again, I say, fuck the police. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, then there was, uh, there was a scene where Logan goes into the sewer and, and talks to Spike. And, you know you, you know, you can tell that Logan's heart isn't totally into it. Because, you know, Spike levels with him and is just like, do you really blame me for what I'm doing? And, and Logan is like, mm, you know, your position at your age, I would have done the same thing. And Spike's like, then why are you giving me a hard time? And Logan's like, because I'm not your age, not in your position. There's a bigger picture now because of what's going on with the spheres and apocalypse. Um, but the spheres aren't are just there. They're not like threatening anybody, right? I don't know, Patty. Have you ever seen an energy sphere okay, just pop I'm up anywhere? Just, I'm just like, I don't understand why it's not that a rainbow. is. I don't know. <laughs> 
freaking everybody out. It's just a <laughs> circle. It's, it's just, just a circle. Aren't sports things domes too? <laughs> Are we scared of that and reporting it on the news every day? Is it promoting anti-football player behavior? I don't. I don't. <laughs> I don't see the relevance. But I digress. You make valid points, Patty. Thank you. You make very valid points. I know. There was that show, The Dome. There was. It was about a dome, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And so just to illustrate how out of hand things are getting. So so this was this was a really fucking heavy moment. Spike goes into a small like grocery store, a uh, bunch of humans in there. White dude owns it. He's the cashier behind the register. Spike is literally just picking out groceries to buy for the rest of the Morlocks. Yeah, he's like, we shouldn't have to eat out of the garbage. Yeah. And- we should have the right to go shop in any supermarket we want. And then everybody just starts like glaring at him. Yep. And uh, the cashier was like, oh, we don't serve your kind here. Yeah, he literally <laughs> pushes it away um, and says, I'm exercising my right to refuse service. And, again, and he's like, why? He goes, because you're bothering my customers. So he's not actually saying explicitly like you're a mutant. It's because you're bothering my customers. You know, it wasn't like, like he was doing anything. I mean, he did probably look kind of scary with that like fucking armor growing out of him and spikes sticking out of him. Can he stuff. control that? But yeah, exactly. It's not con- like he could control it. And also, it could just be like another, you know, metaphor. Like it's one hundred percent. He's just like how he was born. The the armored spikes are. You know, he has as much control over that as his black skin. And that's what that's, I'm getting yeah, at. Yeah, that's what I was trying to get at, too. It's like it's fucking segregation, whites only, blacks only, in, in um, the Jim Crow era. You know, going to a, a fucking diner, trying to sit at the counter and being told that you have to leave. Um, I'm sure, you know, obviously it was because they were black. And I'm sure that there were enough customers and business owners who said, yes, yeah, because you're black. But saying you're upsetting my customers just sounds like a fucking dog whistle. And it, th- again, this was a really heavy moment in this episode because Spike is, he just remains calm. Yeah. He's completely calm. So he's calm. like, all right, well, fuck your story. No, he didn't say anything. He just goes to leave. He's like at the door. And then that little green kid with the A shirt, uh, he's just standing there and, and uh, with his mom. And one of the guys in the store is like, here, take this one with you. And like shoves the kid towards Evan. And the mom is just like, no, that's my son. He hasn't done anything. He's he's just sick. He's not a mutant. And yeah. they like keep shoving him around. They shoved him into this like uh, food shelf. I don't know. And so Evan, who is about to leave, comes over, breaks the case, starts like threatening the humans there. He like opened an entrance in the side of the wall, just blasted it open and told the mom and the son to go out there. And then he goes out the front door and I was like, oh, okay, he doesn't have to take the special exit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, my first thought is like, all right, fuck your building. You know what I mean? But I I feel like the real reason was so that they didn't have to walk through the crowd of angry humans. They could just walk right out that exit. And if these people decided to try to attack again, Spike could take care of himself. But the thing is, is okay. That makes sense now. Spike picks up the food, puts it in the basket, and leaves money on the counter and takes it and just walks out. And again, it's just a really fucking heavy moment. It's just better than me because I would have just stolen it. <laughs> <laughs> but you see that, like, it, it's not—it's not just like he's the angry black guy. It's not he just that he's the angry mutant, you know, and pushing back against these bigots with violence. It's that he's trying to just exist. Yeah. But when people attack, he has a right to defend himself and his people. So then, you know, they cut to more anti-mutant hysteria on the news and you see protests outside of Xavier's. And outside the Brotherhood, which yeah. I was upset that we didn't get to see any of them because I wanted to see what they had to say. Yeah. But- yeah. And it's interesting that, you know, and probably smart because this would have been a whole subplot in itself. Them yeah. trying to, excuse me, fight off. The people there are getting angry about it because, you know, a couple of them would be angry yeah. and a couple of them would not want to fight. So, yeah, it was sad to see. But, you know, Duncan decides to take matters into his own hands and um, he gets um, these power drills that also act as laser guns, which is interesting. And, yeah, they know, you know, these these Duncan and his bigot crew know that Evan and, you know, the Morlocks live in the sewers. They don't know where and they're not going to go down there, what they're going to do. They're using the laser guns 
to blow open the manholes as they're driving through the city, and they've got fucking bombs. They've got bombs. They're blasting the manholes open, and then they're throwing bombs down and causing these explosions. And that's scary as fuck because, you know, for for the story, nobody actually gets hurt by those. But can you imagine? Like, you're literally just some, like, displaced person trying to find shelter. And, you know, these people are just bombing you. Yeah. Which literally is a metaphor for America and foreign countries. <laughs> yeah, right? We go back to the the green kid. He is just like in his apartment with his mom. And he like asked his mom like, oh, am I a mutant? And she was like, oh, don't even say that. You're just sick. God, so and sad. I was like, wow, like this woman is so far in denial. Yeah. Uh, but he's like having these headaches and they can't go away. And he's watching all this anti-mutant shit on TV. And his mom keeps telling him to turn it off. She doesn't want him to watch that and all that. And uh, his headaches are like messing with the electricity. Mm -hmm. And then what? She went into the room to see him and he wasn't there. Yeah, he was gone. Yeah. Because they were talking about... um oh, About yeah. the fight downtown. The fight downtown. Because after, you know, you got Duncan... And his his bigots um, trying to bomb the sewers. Evan, uh, he comes out and he tries to stop it. He tries to stop it from happening. And so you've got like news crews and shit. Um, Evan is fighting them all. And it's it's just as wild to see like what Evan can do. You know, I mean, we've seen him pop out the spikes before and use it as like, you know, like a bow staff. Yeah, and as projectiles. But also there was one point where he pops cleats out. And oh, hand spikes out to grab onto the really wall. Cool, yeah. It was really cool. Again, you know, I mean, on like I'm, I'm trying to imagine on paper, like it, it could sound kind of silly, but in action, all this shit worked. Again, even the hot spikes, it just it worked. I I bought it. I loved it. But you know, because of the news cameras and shit catching all of this, um, the X Men see it on TV, so they're gonna go fucking help too. The rest of the Morlocks come to help. So there's this big fucking brawl. The cops show up. Oh, thank God. Yeah, the cop. Yeah, right. It was, a, you know, it was a pretty cool fight. Duncan was about to shoot Spike, and the green kid gets in the way. His name is Dorian. Uh, but before a shot can go off, the kid screams, and all the electricity in the area goes out, and all the mutants' powers just fucking turn off. Everything stops. Evan goes back to looking exactly like he did in like his the first episode before we saw any spikes, and you can see the light go out in Scott's visor. And it was it was a cute moment. He takes the visor off and he's about to open his eyes and Jean gasps a little bit and puts her hand over her mouth. I was like, aw. <laughs> and he opens his eyes. I was like, oh my God, it's so cute. Yeah, and so the, the cops are, are about to take Duncan and his buddies in. Which would not happen IRL. Right. So there's there's your fictional television show here. So so mom is mad at Evan. Mom of Dorian. And Mom of Dorian is mad at Evan because the kid's been exposed as a mutant. And she's she's like, what chance does he have in a normal life now? And Evan says, none. And again, another heavy moment. You know, there's this whole time when she's like, you know, he's not a mutant. He's just sick. I'm thinking like, Jesus Christ, there's a metaphor for homosexuality there. You know, like you're yeah. sick. There's something wrong with you. You know, this isn't just naturally who you are. You know, th this is a problem that has to be hidden. Let's not talk about it. Yeah, this episode was just fucking wild. But the thing is, is as um, she she walks away with Dorian, Xavier rolls up and is like, Mrs. Leach, take my card. We'll welcome Dorian when you feel that he's ready. The last name is Leach. Yeah, which was pretty, you know. it was obvious when he used his powers that it's supposed to be Leach. Yeah. That's why I was confused by the A on his shirt. Yeah. Um, even though Artie is pink, but maybe it is a reference to Artie, that's and that's why he has the A. 100%. That's what I believe, too, is a reference to Artie, his best friend. Um, yeah, but, you know, Storm asks Evan to come back to Xavier's, and he's like, this isn't over, and you guys don't need me like they do. So he goes back with the Morlocks, and Storm says that she's proud of him. And, and that's pretty much it. Storm gets, you know, about 20 seconds to herself in this episode about her nephew. So that's that's upsetting. But, yeah, this was this was an amazing episode. I loved, you know, obviously it's not... It's not a good thing that these hate crimes are happening and mutants are being targeted just for trying to live and not even live lavishly. They live in the fucking sewers. They were dumpster diving. You know what I mean? Literally just existing. You have these bigots going after them. But I loved that, you know, the message here is like, stand up to bigotry, fight the bigotry. Don't take that shit. Stand up for what it's right because it's wrong 
to hate somebody just for who they are and push them around and discriminate against them. And I loved that it was Evan that did it. Again, you know, we're almost at the very end of this show. And Spike has had a couple of crappy moments, as, as I've mentioned before. He hasn't had a great, a really great story. But this was amazing. This was absolutely amazing. So again, my only complaint is, is Storm. You know, she had barely any time on screen and Xavier wouldn't send her. I mean, I did like the conversation with Logan, but I wish she had more time. That's all. No, I agree. I like this episode a lot. Uh, I'm sad that the show is almost over because, like, we could use more things like this. More of the Morlocks and more Boom Boom. (laughs) (laughs) So, what did you think about Duncan blasting manholes? He should have worn protection. What did you think of this version of Leech? Either way, he sucks. Get it? It's perfectly okay to punch a bigot while we take a quick commercial break. Charles, we can't wait any longer. I'm going to take the fight to Apocalypse myself. No, Magnus. I've managed to uncover his plan. It seems that with Apocalypse, it's survival of the geekiest. That fool! There is no one geekier than Magneto! Perhaps, but I've found a website that may be the key to defeating Apocalypse. Geekade.com? Yes, Geekade.com has podcasts about video games, Transformers, and TV shows. It looks like Geekade even has YouTube and Twitch channels, plus an archive of articles about comic books, movies, and Pokemon. Correct. I'm certain that only Geekade can guarantee you we win the fight against Apocalypse. Very well. We will take all that Geekade.com has to offer, and then we will certainly be the geekiest mutants. Truly, only Geekade can save human and mutant kinds. Charles, who is your favorite Pokemon? Pikachu, of course. For the love of God, Charles, why are you such a basic bitch? Check out Geekade.com today. Alright, so, next episode we're talking about is Cajun Spice. Guess whose episode this is. Uh, Nightcrawler? Close. (laughs) (laughs) you think nightcrawler is spicy i think nightcrawler is spicy too yeah all right so here's the thing there are a couple of glaringly problematic things that happen in this episode a couple of glaringly problematic there are i didn't notice any of them so here's the thing do not ever under any circumstance kidnap a teenage girl and transport her across state lines both of those things are wrong i've had that happen those are felonies (laughs) (laughs) okay so don't do it that being said we're gonna come back to those points (laughs) but we need to get this out of the way and acknowledge that those things are bad and again felonies don't do them however i enjoyed a couple of things in this episode did you not enjoy anything in this episode uh i'm trying to remember you don't remember the cajun spice it didn't Uh... leave a the, the spice didn't leave a lasting taste in your mouth? Oh, you don't like spicy things. That's probably why. I don't. You don't. I, oh, I remember Pyro was in it, so that's what you like. Yeah, Pyro was in it. So we we start the episode that Rogue is thinking about, like, she's having this, like, uh, psychic session where there are, like, hands grabbing her, and then, like, there's this giant statue thing of Mystique, and it's, like, breaking apart. And Xavier is like trying to help her through it and she can't take it and walks away. Yeah. Like a quitter. Patty God. <laughs> she has been so fucked in the head by so many people in the show, primarily her mom. I, I I feel for her. I really do. She looks she goes like she's going towards school and looks at it like she's trying to decide whether she wants to go or not. She turns to walk away and literally bumps into Kurt and um he's obviously still mad at her but asks if she's actually thinking about leaving. And she, she says, maybe and Kurt walks off and, you know, Rogue goes to walk away. And then suddenly Gambit grabs her. Um, and it's like abandoned bu- building and he pops open his bow staff and gasses her. Okay. That's fucked up. So here's the thing. Yeah. Not okay. Don't do that. I agree. She, she comes to on a train. Um, and she's tied up. She's tied up. He's like, I've been watching you for weeks, Rogue. You're such That's an unhappy disgusting. girl. It, it, it is. It's super creepy. So now let's let's try to figure this out. So Rogue 
is likely no older than 17 at this point. Mm -hmm. Gambit, maybe early 20s, not an okay thing. No, it's like all those pop punk guys. And he even looks like one too. He looks like a pop punk guy? Yeah. Really? Yeah, like, and just like trying to like, you know, pull some, you know, teenage bands on stage or whatever and then invite them like, you know. Yep backstage or whatever and you know or those like creepy guys that you'll see like hanging around high school who are like in their 20s it's gross it's not just pop punk guys that do that it's metal guys and and rappers i i know yeah but it is like a stereotype thing known about pop punk guys in particular yeah damn i didn't know yeah um it's it's disgusting it is really fucking disgusting he's got her tied up too um, but he says, you know, that he's like been watching her and that he's trying to help her walk away uh, towards freedom. Which and- is funny, considering that he kidnapped she's- her and <laughs> she's, she's tied, tied up. up. Yeah. But he says that the first step is always the hardest. So he's giving her a little push. And I just this is just so hard to watch. It's so like, OK, so Gambit is a villain in this show. Like, that's the way he's been portrayed. Not the worst of the villains in this show, but nonetheless but a villain. Yeah, but now, this is real fucking bad. This is really bad, and I'm looking at this like it's awful. This poor girl, this poor girl. Rogue, my heart breaks for her. Can't catch a break. She really can't. She just can't get a fucking win here. And anyway... And Kurt is, like, teleporting in all the rooms looking for Xavier... Then he tells Logan that Rogue didn't show up at school and no one's seen her, which is weird because he was asking everybody in the house if they saw Xavier. He didn't ask anybody if they saw Rogue, but that could have just been an error. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But, okay, so then Logan is like, okay, so he tries retracing Rogue's path to school and uh, finds the backpack that she dropped and smells it and he knows it was Gambit. And then we go to your favorite part. My fit. Okay. Okay. One of my favorite parts. One of. Yeah. Yeah. Storm. Storm is up there. Anyway. Uh, it's just hilarious. Absolutely fucking hilarious. You just cut the pyro sitting uh, in front of what looks like, you know, big computer control screen thing and just laughing, just laughing hysterically. And then you see what footage is on the computer that he's watching. It's Magneto getting punked by Apocalypse with the swirly things around him and just just blasted into oblivion. And he's just watching it on repeat, rewinding and laughing and laughing. Oh my god, he's just so happy all the time. It makes me <laughs> it makes me happy that he's happy all the time. I love it. But Logan surprises him um and he makes this huge fire dragon. And, you know, Logan tries to jump away and, like, jump to the ceiling, like, in the rafters. You know, Logan jumps down and cuts the lines to the tank and it fizzles out, which was a little upsetting. I mean, it caught Pyro off guard, so maybe I'm trying to just rationalize it in my head. But I'm thinking, like, you don't need the steady stream from your kerosene tank for that fire, you know? Like, you could have still controlled that fire dragon to to take the fight to Logan. Yeah. Um, But uh, I I digress. I'm I'm being nitpicky. But it's funny. Logan slams pyro up against the wall and is like really angry wants to know where everybody is and uh pyro's like (laughs) pyro's like well you know colossus went back to the went back to russia Sabretooth is chasing the big ball of yarn (laughs) and gambit well gambit didn't leave a note and then pyro makes a couple of jokes as logan throws him back in the chair and he's like, I know what'll turn this frown upside down. And he starts watching the Magneto video again. It's so so good. good. So good. I love how happy Pyro is. Yeah, it was very cute. And then we go back to the unfortunate scene, which does not <sighs> include Pyro. Yeah. That Rogue is uh, still tied up, but she has a blankie on her now. So um, God, Gambit was being thoughtful. God. As we can see, you can um, still sympathize with your kidnapper. Daddy. Um, (laughs) so he's like playing cards by himself on this table thing. And Rogue was, oh, and I don't know if we mentioned that this is not a passenger train. It's a freight train, freight train. Yeah. So there's nobody else there is my point. So he is playing cards and Rogue was like, oh, what's with you and cards? And he's like, oh, it's like having 52 explosives tucked away in one little pocket. Patty, that was a great line. 
you hated it. Go ahead. Sorry for interrupting. No, I'm gonna. You. I was gonna say like there are so many more things that you can have than 52 of something. <laughs> like I don't understand why it's cards either. You could have like I don't know like beads. You could have beans. Anal beads. Anal beads. Did you see the the post in the X meme group on Facebook earlier? Which one about, about Rogue having toys? No. no. Oh. No, uh, about how Gambit is the most dangerous mutant in a ball pit. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. It is hilarious. But how can you carry a ball pit around? But so is Boom Boom. That's true. Shit, that that is true. Because how do you know which exactly. one is a ball and which exactly. one's a bomb? It's a Russian roulette. You don't know. Or a Minesweeper. <gasps> oh my it's God. Minesweeper. No, 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 no. No. I've da- no. I game, tried to block that game out of my memories. That game made me develop anxiety. Why did I do that to myself? <laughs> Every fucking time I was at the library. <laughs> yeah, so then he says he always saves the Queen of Hearts for last, mm-hmm. which is weird because when you see him using his cards, he always has aces. Mm-hmm. He's always just throwing aces. He's like Lemmy, the ace of spades. Yeah. yeah. So uh, then Gamma says, I can untie you if you're ready to accept my help. Mm-hmm. And Rogue says, okay. And then she kicks him in the stomach and yes. tries pushing him out the door yes. of the moving train, which is good. Oh my God, and so good. And she also stole his staff and is like trying to push him out with it. But she was trying to push it out sideways. Like, have you seen those videos of the dogs that find <laughs> the sticks that are too big? They try to get through and the they fence? Try to, no, yeah, or they try to get through like the sliding glass door yeah. and don't realize that they cannot get the stick that is like three feet long to okay. get through horizontally, horizontally okay and they have to flip it vertically she should have flipped the staff vertically and smashed his fucking nads so here's the thing i i agree with you but i'm thinking like so the staff is inside and she's pushing it so it's keeping her inside she has no there's no danger that she's going to fall out and it's keeping him outside and if she were to hit his fingers or hands hard enough that boy would Dick. fall or hit his dick hard enough. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Okay. But unfortunately, he decides to call her bluff and he touches the side of the box car and charges it up. <laughs> yeah. And says, if you don't stop, I'm going to blow us all to smithereens. Which I don't know if he would have done. No. I don't think he would have blown himself up. No. So she should have called his bluff. Should have called his bluff. Should have said, I'm doubling down or whatever you do to out bluff someone. Yeah. Not, not fold. What's the other? What's the other one? What? What's oh, other than fold? Uh, Gotta ra- know when ra- to hold it. Raise? Know when to fold it. <laughs> raise, yes. She should have raised it. Yeah. Anti up. Know when to back away. Know when to run. Oh, yeah. He doesn't say raise. No, but that's a thing you can okay, do. Okay, yeah. Poker. So she should have raised him mm-hmm. since we're speaking of cards. I have no idea how to play poker. I've never played poker, if you couldn't tell. Uh, so he says, oh, you can even absorb my thoughts to prove that uh, you know, I don't mean you any harm, and I'm just trying to do good for you. Yeah. And she almost did it, and she was like, like, I want you inside my head. That was a good impression. Thank you. He really is just a fucking gambler. Like, like so many gambles, so many gambit gambles. Because, no, because if if she had done it, yeah, if she, if she had called his bluff and done it, she would have known exactly what was happening right then. And, you know, since they know... Rogue is missing, and Gambit is with her. Xavier's checking on Cerebro, and he he registered Gambit using his powers. So Rogue actually calls Gambit out and is like, you've been stalking me? And Gambit goes, just looking out for you. Which uh, is... Red flags. Yes. Alarms. She wants to know where the train is going, and he says, Louisiana. I believe that's your neck of the woods. Uh, and I'm thinking, like, well, not quite, but it's close. Well, it's closer than New York. That's very true. Uh, it is Gambit's area. Yeah, and it's he's, dur- he's Cajun, and it's Mardi Gras. It's Mardi Gras, and uh, Rogue says that she's been to Mardi Gras before, which is kind of weird. Gambit swipes uh, some guy's wallet, and Rogue catches him uh, and gives it back to the guy. And I thought that was cute. It was also cute that he took her to get food, and how happy she is, and how how much she and loves he's it. Like, oh, that food. there's there's nothing like this up north. Yeah, and it's also cute that she's got beads on. And now, why do I say that's cute? Because it's an accessory. She's cute. She's happy. I love it. And besides, in the world of X-Men Evolution, you don't get Mardi Gras beads by flashing your boobs. You get Mardi Gras beads for being a good person. 
we know that Rogue is a good person. So that's why she's got like a bunch of beads around her neck. She has like two. She had like three. Two pairs. Okay. But she had whatever. green and purple. Whatever. She's, she's, what? Yeah. Did she really? Yeah. Matching her A aesthetic? I didn't even notice that. Yeah. Her A aesthetic? A aesthetic. That's not how it sounds. Jonathan. Patty saying it that way is my A aesthetic. Jonathan, I hate it. <laughs> so. Then they're they're eating in this restaurant and they get ambushed by some dudes and they say they're the what was it called? So Gambit Gambit after the uh, fight Gambit calls them I think it was after the fight but he calls them the Rippers. Rippers, that was it. Yeah, yeah. they're supposed to be the Assassins the Guild. The Assassins Guild, yeah. And during the fight, Rogue touches one of these dudes and. Finds out that Gambit's dad was kidnapped and the location of his kidnapping. Gambit says that uh, just because somebody adopted you doesn't mean they love you. Blah, blah, blah. Dad used me for my powers. Rogue is like, oh, wow, that's my life story. Ha, ha, ha. I will help you. She helped him in this fight when she didn't have to. That was cool, Um, though. And now she said she's going to help him again, which is fucking dumb. You don't help your fucking stalker 100 percent, 100 percent. um i will say that i did enjoy the fight with the two of them participating against these goons yeah it was cool but that's but that's the thing like you know like you're saying what i was getting at at the beginning of the episode like there's so much that's problematic in this episode that you have to like come back to if you're going to criticize this because it deserves criticism it's it's gross it shouldn't have been a thing they should I, i wish they had figured out a different way and I don't feel like it would have been too hard. Figured out a different way for the two of them to share an episode together. Yeah. Other than fucking kidnapping. Like, again, we know he's a villain, but I don't feel like they needed to go this route. And I But get- we've had a, an issue with the show having very grabby men. Yeah. And, yeah. um... But the coolest part of the fight scene, I thought, was that she, he touched her n- necklaces and, like, made mm. the beads, like, explode under the dude's feet. That was cool. That was cool. Yeah. Yeah, and then and then Rogue is like, oh, you're part of the Thieves Guild? <laughs> like, this is a thing we've heard of before. <laughs> the fact that Gambit was part of fucking Magneto's cult, that was fine. But you're part of something called the Thieves Guild? <laughs> you steal from people? That's wrong. <laughs> And then uh, she finds out that the other guys that they took down were a rival gang called the Rippers. And Gambit is like, okay, thanks for the help, but I have to go. Yeah, and he's playing coy and yeah, it's gross. Yeah, because why else would he have taken her to Louisiana to abandon her in Mardi Gras? And you see him like hiding around the side of the building waiting, waiting for, her. for her Yeah, to come after him because he knows she's... He knows that she's good and that she's going to want to help someone. And he keeps like playing it up that dad's in danger and I got to go deal with it myself. And it's it's really gross and it sucks. It sucks so bad Um, because I want good for Rogue in this show. And this could have actually been a cool team up. It could have been. And in a couple of ways it was, but... You can't say that, oh, yeah, this was just a great episode, great team up, and still look at all of his behavior getting there. It it, it really sucks. So anyway, yeah, they they go on a boat together through the bayou, and they're talking, and they find that, you know, they have shit in common, you know. Um, yeah, you know, because Rogue's mom, Mystique, and the way that she manipulated Rogue, and it sounds like Gambit's dad manipulated him too, yet he's still out there trying to help him. Um, and Rogue is like, at least you're out here trying to save your father. It's more than I did. So, you know, the X-Men get to Mardi Gras and they're walking around. They're trying to find Rogue and Gambit. So when they get to shore by this big mansion, that's the Ripper's base, there are security cameras and Rogue tackles Gambit out of the way and they accidentally touch and she's livid. She knows he played her. He used her to help absorb information uh, so he could find out where his dad was and go save him. And she's mad. You used me like everyone else, literally like everyone else. And she goes to walk away and Gamma's just like, my father's life is at stake. And like, bro, the ends don't justify the means. Exactly. Not, and like, not with what you did. And like Rogue is a good person. And if you had just asked her for her help, she probably would have helped you. 
more so than if you kidnapped her. Because if someone kidnaps me, chances are I'm not going to want to help them so much. Yeah. But who knows? That's just how one woman sees it. Yeah. Let's 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 ask the men for their opinions. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if Rogue would have been just happy and raring to go, but I feel like there could have been a decent. No, he could have persuaded her. There could have been the a, whole mom thing. A decently written conversation that the two of them had, and it could have been like a sort of misunderstanding thing where Gambit like poured his heart out in a way to Rogue, and she agreed to go. But still, the X-Men thought she was in danger because they know that Gambit is an acolyte who's working for Magneto. And then there was a misunderstanding later. That could have worked somehow, too. But in any case, you know, Gambit's lost Rogue now. She walked off and he's he's there. um, So he goes in and, you know, dad's tied up and he he unties him. And dad is like, oh, we're in their stronghold. Let's raid it. We'll really hurt him this way. And Gambit Gambit doesn't want to. He's like, no, I came here just for you. Let's get out of here. And Gambit's like, you don't need me to raid this place. And Dad's like, nope, just need your powers. And, you know, I mean, it's a That's qu- exactly what Gambit was saying, was it's, that his dad was just using him for his powers. Just like how Mystique has used yeah. her for her powers, too. And so they do have something in common. The Ripper goons find Gambit and Dad. And then all of a sudden, you know, they flash and, like, fall to the floor. And it's Rogue. She came in and she grabbed, she grabbed them. And, uh, you know, Rogue tells them to follow her. And Dad is like, how does she know the layout of the place? And Gamma is just like, trust me, she, she does. And so they go and follow her. But also at the same time, the X-Men have showed up. So there, there are a bunch of goons with a bunch of guns. Storm. Goons this, with guns. This was one of my favorite things in this episode, besides Pyro. So Storm creates a fucking, what do you call it? Tornado? A, a, a water tornado. Typhoon? <laughs> a sharknado. <laughs> Storm causes a sharknado. Uh, no, wait, it's the, it's the bayou. So it's a croc-nado that Storm causes and sends at this fucking base and just tears out the front of it. You see two of the goons fly up in the air and land, like, far away. It was amazing. The fucking mayhem and destruction that Storm caused. She looked so badass. I loved it. And so, you know, Gambit, Rogue, and Dad get onto a boat. And the X-Men got on a boat, and the Rippers get onto a boat, and so now we got a fucking action movie boat chase. And, uh, you know, uh, Gambit's boat gets tipped over. Kurt saves Rogue from gators, but Gambit's still in the water, so you've got a goon coming after him, and Gambit manages to touch the boat, and right before it explodes, the goon jumps out. Yeah, so when Gambit gets to shore, Logan is ready to kill him, and Rogue yells for him to stop. And Rogue is like, you did the wrong thing. For the right reasons. You know, this is my family. I'm going back with the X-Men. And Gambit tells her that she's going to be fine because she's got people watching over her. And that's great. But not in a creepy way. It's correct, not in a creepy way. That's her chosen family. So yes, what Mystique has done to her, uh, manipulated her and used her throughout this entire show is awful. But she still has this found family who's looking out for her. They all located her, flew down to fucking Louisiana to help her with whatever was happening. And now they're going to take her home and welcome her home. And, you know, as he goes to leave, he slipped her the queen of hearts. Um, which is gross. Which is which is creepy. But I will say this. I had misremembered how this stuff went down. And I, I thought that maybe more creepiness happened in this episode. And I'm glad it didn't. Not that I'm saying that creepiness is okay. I'm just saying I thought it got closer to the two of them... You know, canoodling Canoodling in the bayou. That's what I thought. It got closer to that, and I'm glad that it didn't. So that was the end of the episode. And so, you know, there's, again, we've talked about it. There's so much wrong with this episode that just with a little bit different writing could have made this less creepy, less stalkery than it was. But But I still enjoyed seeing some of the time that Rogue and Gambit shared on screen together in a non-romantic way, in a way where they were fighting the Rippers, in a way where Rogue came back and helped Gambit, you know, when the X-Men showed up to help and how cool that was, um, especially with Storm. So there were a couple of things that I, you know, with Pyro, there were some things that I liked about this episode, but but overall, you know, the choices that the writers made here were really bad. Yeah. 
I will go so far as saying that the cool fight scenes between um, the two of them uh, did not make up for hmm. the rest of this episode, and this whole episode was bad. Wow, damn. No, listen, I can't blame you. I'm trying to I'm trying to pick these things apart and separate separate what happened, but can I really do that? No, because the whole thing is is would Gambit and Rogue have had any of that screen time screen time together and fighting together if Gambit had not kidnapped her to begin with? If he had not fucking gassed her, you know? No, it wouldn't have happened. Could have been written differently. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It could have been the same thing where they had to team up with the Brotherhood in the past, you know? Like, to fight against a common enemy. Yeah. And not be fucking rape episode. Yeah. And a grooming episode. And it's almost like... It's not almost like... It, it is like, you know, the people who worked on this show must have had some knowledge of the comics. Some working knowledge of the comics. Meaning that they knew that in the comics, Rogue and Gambit were sometimes an item, sometimes not, and there were feelings there. I mean, it's it's, it's the whole fucking Kitty Colossus issue again. Well, with the that, age difference, sure. Yeah, um, I mean, Colossus wasn't creepy. Like, he wasn't, like, hanging out at her high school or something, <laughs> you know, like... I don't know. I, I feel like this one is a lot worse than the two of them, but the Kitty Colossus thing was always disgusting to me. Um, when it was announced that they were going to get married, I was furious. I know, like, okay, so that happened a very long time ago, but this happened, like, this show happened in, like, you know, the early 2000s. Like, yeah. it, it should not have been a thing that they let happen. If they had the two of them in this show... And they had such an age gap, it should not have even been touched upon. Yeah, no, I agree. They could have made him a little bit younger. Yeah. Honestly, they could have made him... Make him just out of high school. Yeah, maybe. Funny, though. How did that uh, wedding of Kitty and Colossus turn out? (laughs) Who ended up actually getting married that day? Isn't that that funny? That is very funny. Very funny. So I'll do it for this episode of Mutant Musings Evolution. Thanks for joining us, and remember to leave us a comment on geekade.com. Leave us ratings and reviews on iTunes or anywhere else you find our podcast. Follow us on Instagram at mutant underscore musings underscore podcast and on Twitter at mutant musings. Join us for episode 22 in two weeks when we discuss Ghost of a Chance and a comic book. And until then, Spike was right. Spike was right.